Well, I guess it's safe to say that we are now legal to consume. This is episode 21 here of the Cherokee Rewind. Thanks for hanging out with us. You got Mick and, of course, my special guest today for episode 21. This guy played for Toledo back at the early part of this century. And memory serves correctly, I know he hails from Fort Wayne, Indiana, or thereabouts. Uh, this guy played hockey for us. He went on to not only play hockey, but to become an official. And uh, so another reason for uh, people to, you know, from all over to hate him. But, you know, it goes with the territory. <laughs> but uh, seriously, though, uh, Mr. Chris Hoy joining us right now. And uh, Chris, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, Mick. Glad to hear your voice. Likewise, man. Always a pleasure. Hey, now I always do this with every player that I, I got and that if I can even remotely remember, I always try to remember the jersey number you wore. Now, I'm stuck between 10 and 3, and I'm going to go with 3. 3 was it? Wow. And honestly, I did not look it up or anything like that. I don't do that. That's what makes this interesting and challenging and fun, is I like to be able to just do it from memory. But yeah, th- I, I couldn't remember, because I remember you were, it was weird, you were a forward who wore 3. Usually 3 is worn by somebody on defense, but... Uh, I remember you wearing that for uh, for uh, being a forward. So it was like that. I think that's why it stuck out. But anyway, so you uh, you came to Toledo. Uh, what years did you play? Uh, 99 and 2000 and then 2000, 2001, and then the start of uh, 2001, 2002, I believe it is. So how did you end up coming to Toledo? I know there was a uh, bunch of no, kids. No, no, actually I got that wrong. I'm sorry, it was... 2001, 2002 was my first year. Okay. And then uh, a full year after that, I'm sorry. All right. But how did you end up coming to Toledo, though? How were you recruited? Oh, good old Mike Robertson. Really? <laughs> he, re- he recruited half of our, uh, our AAA team in Fort Wayne that we had. Oh, my. Yeah, and, uh, I remember. We called it the Fort Wayne Invasion. Yeah, we had, uh, I think, six guys. Ryan Potts, Kyle Kleinschmidt, Corder, Kobe Peters, Mike Moore, uh, and myself. I think that was everybody. That came in from Fort Wayne. Wow, that, that was quite a few. I I remember Cole Herb because he had like hands like I ain't never seen on a human being. That guy, and of course everyone remembers him back then for the, his rookie haircut. He got uh, leopard spots that he bleached to him. <laughs> that was yeah, that was a piece of work. Although with, with Cole, you had to you had to know so to get. Oh yeah. It. But uh, yeah, that was funny. But anyway, now did you did you? have uh any kind of special rookie initiation or haircut or anything like that at all um no just the, just a regular shave i didn't have anything crazy on it uh my favorite was kobe if i remember correctly kobe peters had uh the top of his head shaved and then he kept his mullet oh my oh my gosh i remember that oh my gosh that was so funny uh that but then again it fit kobe his personality yeah. it was so him Oh, Kobe's um, got such a great personality. Yeah, he's a piece of work, I tell you. But um, I, you know, it's it's funny. I was just thinking about this: the fact that all those guys from Fort Wayne, and of course, you know, of all the guys, I'd say probably Kobe was probably the one that stirred the most trouble because he wasn't afraid to go into the corners or anything. But man, he used to tick off a lot of people. He'd get them upset on the other side. And I'm sure he probably got some of the guys on his own team upset too because they had to back him up because he's so he's so he was so little and so but he wasn't afraid of anybody man he he went in at, he went in there and he did what he could to stir the pot 
and uh, you know, I mean, he was a crap disturber. Let's face it, and he was uh, he was something else with that. But the thing was, was that he was t- he had some talent, you know, when it came to offense. Oh yeah, I, I think Kobe is a much better looking Brad Marchand. <laughs> I'm sure when he hears this, he's gonna he's gonna have a big old grin on his face. Uh, but yeah, because uh, well, so what you're saying basically, he's he's a he's an attractive rat. Okay, <laughs> I just want to get that that get that out there. Anyway, but uh, but seriously though, I mean, now you got recruited by all you guys got recruited by Mike Robertson, and what was it? Uh, was it the fact that they were all wanting to come to Toledo that drew you in? Or was there something else or anything special that really made you want to pay attention and come to Toledo? Uh, honestly, I don't remember that far back. I, I want to say he – I don't remember where he found us, actually. Um, a camp somewhere over the summer and invited a bunch of us up there, and we all just agreed to go as a big group. And it, I, none of us really knew what to expect, actually. We just – we knew Toledo Cherokee. I mean, won the national championship a few years prior, but name – and we all just decided to go, and it all worked out. Well, you know, I was wondering, uh, did when you went, uh, the other thing I remember, too, was your first rookie camp. You, you, I remember you on the bench, and you were talking to the guys on your line mates. Uh, you were saying something to them, and, I mean, all I remember was a couple of the kids, and neither none of them made the team. But I remember a couple of the kids getting mad at you because you were like saying, "Hey, I'm going to do this, so if you can if you can feed me, you know, et cetera, et cetera." And it was like, "Well, the guy's taking his taking the game serious. Is it just a tryout camp?" And then it thought it came to me. I'm like, "And that's why you're not on the squad because he, you know this guy is taking it serious, you know, and he wants to be here." So that's that's the thing that I remember. And again, there wasn't something that they did in front of you. I heard them later doing it, and that's where I came, you know, that's where I just, I happened to be there, and they didn't know who I was, so it was like, okay, you know, but to me, it was the case of, he's taking it serious, he wants to play, he wants to win, obviously, so he's going to do what he can to better himself, and that's how I looked at it, and I'm sure you did too. Wow, hey, I, I remember that trial camp too, and hey, I remember the old Tamil Shanner, the, is it the blue, no, not the blue rink. I don't remember what that was. No, it was rink. It was rink number two. Was the one that rink the two. Tra- yeah, rink two. So yeah, I I remember that. Yeah. Now what was funny too was if I'm not mistaken, and I think you were at that. Yeah, you had to have been at that camp because now did you play with Kyle Haberlin? Uh, I actually did a couple years later with uh, the Toledo Wolfpack. Okay, okay. No, this was uh, this was prior to that because. Uh, I think it was Habby. He it was his first year with the Cherokee, his very first year, and he wanted to. Uh, there was a kid that was trying out. Funny story. This kid wanted to uh, try out, and so he was a skinny kid. He's from Alabama. Is all I remember because I looked up his uh, name, and I don't remember his name. But the kid was from Alabama. He had thick, uh, like a, a furry red hair, you know. Uh, kind of like Carrot Top, uh, only a little thicker. Anyway, he was a skinny, scrawny kid. And so this other big kid who didn't make the team either, uh, this other big kid, he, this kid was like, uh, I'd say a good four or five inches bigger than this guy, and challenged him to a, they challenged each other to a fight uh, during the scrimmage. 
and the, the, the redhead decided to do it. So they dropped their gloves, and the redheaded kid, the scrawny kid, sticks his hand out to shake his hand to wish the guy good luck in the fight. Why? I don't know. The big kid just looked at him and was like, huh? And absolutely drops him, just plows him with the right hand, stiff right hand to the face, and broke his nose, or so we thought. Because they go, dude, your nose is broke. And he's sitting on the bench. He goes, nah, it's all right. He goes, I got it busted last week in another tryout. And I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, what kind of a nutcase is this? You know, and he had really, really big hair, but really long hair. And it was thick and red and long. Like I said, like carrot top. And then uh, and ha- I just remember Havy, because Havy looked at me. And he goes, we got to convince them to sign this guy. And then, you know, cut him later. But just sign him long enough so we can get a rookie haircut. <laughs> I'm like, way to go, Abby. You know, but, uh, but you know, like I said, those are the funny things I remember about back then. But that was right around 2001, 2002 or so, somewhere in there. But uh, I just, I like I said, I remember just some of those goofy things. Now, who besides the uh, Fort Wayne guys, who were some of the other guys that you played with? Uh, Kelly Kester, still talked to him. Uh, actually tried to get a, I, I was coaching a couple years ago, and, uh, tried to meet up with Kelly's team and his U16 team. We couldn't make it work, but uh, Kelly Kester, uh, Jason Zazda, um, uh, Antonio Pomponio. Oh, yeah. Now, do you remember his first fight? I feel like I do. He dropped yeah, the, He fought the kid from Columbus that was like the heavyweight champ? He was tough as nails, and he never would have thought it. He was younger than most all the guys, and... Yeah, because when he his first game, he was still 15 years old and hadn't yeah. turned 16 yet, and he got into a fight, and Omi was freaking out because you know he's like, "Don't fight, don't fight," and and the kid from the, like the supposed heavyweight champ from uh, for the CSHL from Columbus challenged him. He was an overager. He was 20, and uh, he went in there to lean in and fight Tony, and Pomponio hits him with one punch, drops him, and hit him so hard he broke his orbital bone his i think his cheekbone uh his nose he knocked him out to the point where when the kid just collapsed he fell on his wrist and broke his wrist too oh jeez that was i mean that that was his first fight and you know cuz i remember him and Cole Herb were like i mean you did not want to fight those guys they amazed too oh gosh Bobby, or Bobby, as we used to call him back then. I'm going to have to get him on here soon, but... Uh, I know. can't call him Bobby anymore. Why is that? So, well, Dan started coaching at Trine University uh, in Angola, Indiana. He yeah. took over their D2 program, and he just accepted a job up in uh, Pittsburgh. A great opportunity, actually, in uh, starting an elite program in Pittsburgh. And I called him Bobby a couple times, and some of the players were like, huh? I was like, oh, okay, yeah. never mind. Yeah, no. Nobody calls him Bob anymore, so I'm like, oh, yeah, we better go by Dan now. Yeah, but, oh, at least if we ever get, like, a reunion going or alumni get-together or something, then it's Bobby all the way. But till then, <laughs> I mean, everyone, I had him on my radio show a couple times or and stuff, and I called him, I called him Bobby at first. I go, oh, wait, you are Dan, aren't you? And he just laughed. <laughs> he just laughed at me. But, uh, no, but I, I was thinking about all those things, you know? I mean, when you, when you, you know, when you know you're going to be talking to somebody and some of the other players that, that go around and stuff. 
Now, were you with us when we made the move, the temporary move to Monroe? Yes. Yeah, the second year. Mm-hmm. That was my second year there. Okay, so then those, some of those guys, I think you had, like, Todd Blaskowitz, maybe? Yeah, Todd Blaskowitz, uh, Fred, I can't remember his last name. Hassenfuss? Yes, that's it. Thank you. From um, Maine. I remember he was a kid from Maine, and it's yeah. so funny. He moved here to play hockey and never left. He's still in Toledo. He's still in Toledo. Yep. Wow. He never left, and uh, so I that that cracks me up to think about that. But yeah, he never went back. He I guess he just loved it here or something. But he was happy here, so he decided to stay. And wow. uh, last time I seen him was probably about ten years ago. Maybe maybe yeah, about ten years ago. I saw him at a at a uh, at a pizza place, and so I ran into him in a pizza place. So. Uh, that was the last time I had seen him, but yeah, Fred Hassenfuss. We've only had like I think two, maybe three players for Maine. I know Ian Saldano was one. He was in the late '90s, uh, and I'm trying to think who else. But those were the only ones I know of from Maine. But uh, anyway, so we're uh, trying to think. Who did you have in net when you were in Monroe? Do you remember? So we had two. We had started with uh, Mike McCaskey. Yep. And then uh, Chris Elliott came back towards the end of the year. Oh, okay. Wow, man, that's a good memory because I remember I vaguely remember McCaskey. You know, it wasn't it wasn't easy, but I vaguely remember he was a heck of a goaltender. And of yeah. course, Elliot. Oh man, he, oh wow, that guy could play. He was a yeah, we, we really rode him in playoffs. I remember that. Yep, he, yeah, Easy E. I always called him, but yeah, he's a he's a heck of a goaltender, and so was McCaskey. That I'm not slighting him in the least. That guy oh, yeah. could play. Uh, and then of course, Omi was coaching at that point. Uh, he had taken over and was coaching. And I remember, if I'm not mistaken, didn't we make nationals in Hartford that year? No, we actually lost to Metro in the championship game. Oh, okay. Yep, yep, yep. Alrighty. Now, now I remember. Okay, so it was then. It was the following year that we made uh, we made it, I believe, to nationals, and it was in Hartford because it was 2000. I want to say 2000. Wait a minute. I might have no, years. I think maybe the year before. Yep, 2001. Yep, 2000, 2001 we went. Yep. So that was it. Okay, got it now. Uh, see, this old. I'm old now, so the, the brain cells don't work like they used to. But Now, tell me about, you know, what got you into the game, first of all. What was it about the game that you loved? I mean, obviously, being from Fort Wayne, everybody is taught to love the Comets. It's like a rule. You have to, or else you have to, like, leave the city. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Now, did you play for Cole Herb's dad, Larry Herb? Yep, played for Larry pretty much every single every single year growing up. Wow. And Larry was my coach. He, yeah, well, he was always a great coach. I mean, he really was. I remember he would come not only to see Cole, but even after I saw him, I think once or twice I saw him come to games, uh, him and his wife would come to the ice house. And it was just funny to, it was just funny to see him again. You know, I mean, that guy... Like I said, he had his hands on a lot of uh, a lot of players in helping move them to uh, bigger and better things. So you know that's we were, I was always grateful to him for that. Now, when you well, how old were you when you put on a, first put on a pair of skates? Oh God, I was probably I want to say about two years old. Holy cow! Yeah, I, I remember my mom telling the story that uh, my dad found out that 
Canadian hockey player. My dad played high school hockey a little bit, but nothing too crazy. And he found out that Canadians started their kids off at like age one. And he freaked out, so he put me in skates by age two. And <laughs> that's the story I've always been told. And as long as I can remember, I've just been playing hockey. Holy smokes. So you played hockey, and <clears throat> after you left Toledo, you went, well, you didn't go very far. You just went across the hallway and played for the Wolfpack. Tell me about that experience, playing in that CEHL. That was actually a lot of fun. A lot of players uh, ended up playing against a lot of guys that went on to play pro hockey. It was a rougher league than the CSHL. Uh-huh. It, uh, I mean, a lot of older guys, you could be 21 playing in that league. Uh, I had to make some trips out to New Jersey, and it, it was bigger boys, and you learned to keep your mouth shut in that league, that's for sure. <laughs> now, did you have to? did you have to change your style at all when you played? Actually, they ended up putting me back on defense. Really? Yeah, and I, I, I never realized I loved playing defense. Holy smokes! So when you, I mean, uh, did you uh, were you able to contribute offensively, or did you still, or were you just solely a stay-at-home guy? I, I, I pretty much would be on the power play, contributed offensively. Um, about halfway through the season, we. Because back then they had the North American team. They had three, three junior teams in Toledo. You had the Ice Diggers, the Wolf Pack, and the Cherokee. Yep. All three were playing out of the same rink, too, actually. Yeah, one sheet of ice with three junior teams. It's like, how do you make it work? Yeah. Um, and and it, Go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, towards the end of the year, we... So the Ice Diggers in the North American League, they weren't making the playoffs... So they sent, uh, I want to say, four or five guys to our team to finish the season so we could make a run in those playoffs. And once we did that, they moved me back up to center, and then I finished the season playing center again. Wow. So now, uh, you know, looking back on it, uh, the the bus schedule, or I'm sure the travel probably was a little bit more grueling in the CEHL? Uh, They had one trip that was up to... uh, well, we had to go to Trevor City, but New Jersey, we had to go there a few times. I, outside of that, it wasn't really that bad. It, you had Detroit, which was an easy trip. You know, same place where Metro plays now. Oh, okay. Um, trying to think, we had uh, met a couple times in Youngstown for some trips. Uh, I think Dayton. Oh, yeah, Dayton Gems they had. They revived the name. And they had a team in uh, Brighton, Michigan. Okay. So there's only about six or seven teams in the league, but oh, Brownstown, Michigan too, which just up the border of Monroe. Yeah, that's uh, the Brownstown Bombers, I think, if I remember. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So now, when uh, so you played in the CEHL, and uh, where did you head after that? Did, were you done with uh, hockey at that point? Well, I I was planning on going. I talked to a few schools out in the the SUNY league. And then I saw the price tag on how much it was going to cost a year to go to school in New York. And I was like, yep, no, that's not happening. <laughs> that and then uh, talked to Kelly Kester and Dan Mays because they went up to Eastern Michigan. Mm-hmm. So I looked into going with them. And it was actually right after I started looking into that, we found out my mom was um, diagnosed with cancer and didn't have very long to live. So I ended up just moving back home. That's actually how I got into officiating. Oh yeah, I remember that. That was a, that was a rough one, man. That was really rough. But you still were able to endure and still had some 
you still had a lot you wanted to give back to the game, and I'm presuming in, as well as, and that's why you got into officiating. Uh, who did you? Who got? Who helped get you into that? Uh, so, Roy Chen, a guy here, Roy Chen, he headed up the official association for probably, I want to bet, thirty years. He was responsible for several guys getting into pro hockey. He's got pupils that are still in the NHL today, and he helped me along. He just told me, come in, work some house league games, see how you do. And before I knew it, within a year, I was going out to Vermont for a USA hockey camp and met a guy out there by the name of Scott Brand. And next thing I know, I'm traveling all over the country doing this stuff. Holy cow. How did you How did you find time to, to juggle that? And uh, I mean, man, that had to be crazy. I mean, uh, being a... You know, trying to be a good son and and everything. I'm sure your dad was probably like, "Wait, where are you now?" <laughs> <laughs> so the first season I did that um, was the season my mom passed away, mm-hmm. and I just kind of did regionally. Didn't really travel too much. Went out to East Coast a couple times, but it would just be your Friday, Saturday, Sunday type deal. And then I, I was a student back at home and just went to a local community college. And then uh, the second year I started doing it, I moved out to Albany, New York, and they had me based out of New York for a season of working strictly the East Coast League, or the junior leagues on the East Coast. Okay. And uh, before I knew it, I was working North American League. I, I was doing Cherokee games a bunch, um, working a lot in North American leagues, some USHL, and uh, got into pro hockey, I want to say my third or fourth year. Holy cow! So where did you where did you end up going there? Uh, ended up, let's see. Back then it was the IHL. Did a lot of the IHL. Then it transitioned uh, to the CHL. I kind of followed Fort Wayne in their leagues, and then I also did a lot down in uh, the Southern Pro League. Now, did you do uh, any Comet games? Oh yeah, ton of Comet games for about I want to say six or seven years. Oof! That, how hard was that? How hard was that? Considering you're you know you were born and raised a Comet fan. Oh, those games were a piece of cake to do. It wasn't really that hard at all. Um, like, I actually had a few guys that I played with that were playing with the Comets, so I knew them pretty well. And uh, seeing a lot of the guys that I play, played against in Toledo, uh, officiating them in the old UHL or IHL or CHL, whatever rendition it was. <laughs> the so, good old U-Haul league. Yeah. It, you know, it, minor league pro hockey, it's actually pretty easy to work. It, the saying within the officiating community is the higher you get, the easier it gets. Mm-hmm. And that's true with the exception of NCAA. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, doing college games, that was the hardest hockey I've ever had to work in my life. That was so intense. Student sections are always irate. And it it really, like I would have to, certain arenas I would have to take Motrin before every game because I would have a full-blown headache by the end of the game. Good night. Now, when you played, or when you when you officiated uh, in NCAA, was it mostly here in the Midwest, or did you go elsewhere? Uh, just here in the Midwest. So the final four years of the CCHA, I was in the CCHA, did all the, you know, your Michigan, your Michigan State, Ohio State, Miami, Western Michigan, Notre Dame. Uh, traveled all over CCHA, with the exception of I didn't go to Alaska. But... Um, uh, and then when the CCHA split, I joined the NCHC for two years. Okay. And right after my son was born uh, is when I left the NCHC, and I haven't done college hockey since then. 
Oh my gosh. Well, I was going to say, that was my next question is with all that traveling, doing all that stuff, how did you find time to meet a girl and have a family? Online dating. <laughs> well, yeah. If it works, hey, more power to yeah. you. Yep. So, yeah. The, so you ended up, now when did you meet your best, your uh, better half? Well, I, I, I'm actually divorced and married a second time. I met my first wife, uh, I want to say about six years ago, seven years ago, and had a son with her mm-hmm. and uh, ended up getting divorced and now I'm married again with married in with uh, three more kids and those kids are fully my kids love them to death I don't play the whole stepdad game I I treat them as they're my own and they know that well that's the whole, that's the important thing they know they're loved so now uh, I was gonna say how did you meet this one though how did you did you it was online oh it, actually it was a practical joke oh Please, please um, do. So I started working actually hockey community. I from officiating here locally. I saw some guys talking about a, a job they have. Uh, some coaches for high school teams here. I saw them on Facebook. They were how happy they were at this job. So I ended up messaging one guy, and I said, "Where are you working at?" And he got to talking. Within 24 hours, I had a job interview at this insurance brokerage in Fort Wayne. And a couple of days later, I got an offer and working with a bunch of hockey guys. And, which was great and ended up meeting my wife April now and she sat about three feet away from me for a good four months before she finally requested to move away from me really? she couldn't stand being by me anymore <laughs> hmm. but uh, no it, it's all good fun she uh, it, she was married at the time and ended up going through a divorce and about a year a little over a year of working together we started a practical joke at a Christmas party. Some bunch of coworkers like, "Hey, uh, my wife's name is April." She's like, "April, you you need to go on a date with Hoy. You guys should go out." And we started as a joke, uh, like going on fake lunch dates just to get the office drama going, you know. Mm-hmm. And then next thing we know, uh, I was working Indiana High School State Tournament, and I messaged her and I said, "Hey, why don't you come up for the weekend, have some fun with me and the guys?" And next thing I know, she was up there partying with all the hockey guys with us and wow. before I do it we're dating and she's moving into the house I built and yeah it's all so it's all great good story from me. there it all started with an off spring my goodness I love good stories like that though that's that's what makes the world go around you know so oh, yeah. you know but uh, now how long have the two of you been together uh, about two years now a little over two awesome awesome now uh now, what has changed for you as far as, um, you know, doing the, you're doing all that traveling and doing the officiating and stuff. Have you, I'm sure you, you're doing other things right now? Well, I'm still officiating, actually. Uh, I stopped doing locally. Uh, I've focused a little, uh, now I'm doing more just uh, the Federal Hockey League, if you've ever heard of it. Yeah, oh gosh, are you kidding? I've done a couple of games for uh, Ian Duncan. When he was the coach of the men or icebreakers, I, yep, did, I uh, had him several times last year. Yep, I did and, a couple of his games as for play-by-play. They needed a fill-in, so I've said sure. So it, the great thing about me and my wife is that we have our kids on the same weekends, and then we don't have kids on uh, on the same weekends. So the weekends I don't have, or that we don't have kids, uh, her and I will hit the road and I'll work like a Friday Saturday night game, get a free hotel stay, get paid, get to see the country a little bit. It's actually a lot of fun. I was going to say, that's got to be pretty cool. So especially, and the fact that she happens to also, you know, 
not minded either. That helped. That goes a long way in helping. <laughs> I can't say the same thing. So, <laughs> even well, though and she likes the federal league because there's always a ton of fights. And... <laughs> <laughs> no, not there. But uh, but still, I mean, that's got to be a lot of fun yet, though. So and that makes it, you know, like I say, keeps it fun and interesting. Now, uh, let's talk here for a minute about uh, some of the memories you have being in a Toledo uniform. Uh, like I said, you played for Omi back then. What was he like when you first met him and what and, and the time that followed? You know, the one thing I remember about Omi is it, Hey, so we were talking about Cole Hurts that Larry had Larry grown up and Larry was such an intense coach and all of us Fort Wayne guys every single one he ever coached will tell you that he was intense but he really made us into men and all of us are always forever grateful for that and that was the great thing about Omi was it was actually kind of nice because Omi was a pretty intense guy and he really expected you to work your butt off every single game in and out and it, it was I was used to that coaching style, so I really appreciated it, liked it, and kind of fit in well, I felt. Mm. Now, uh, you know, I, we talked at the outset, we talked about a lot, of, a lot of the different players and stuff. I want to hear some stories about some of these guys, if you can remember any. Uh, some of the crazier, goofy guys that uh, went on to do some things and stuff uh, that were jo- practical jokesters or any of that kind of stuff in the locker room or even on the bus rides. What was it like uh, being around some of those guys? Uh, you know, I don't remember too many uh, practical joker stories. I well, who was the I, funniest I guy? The, would you say out, out in, the, in that in your first year? The funniest guy I would say was probably Kobe Peters. It, we always just got such a laugh out of Kobe and how hard he would work, work his tail off, and then because he, I mean, he's it's Kobe. He's shorter than all of us, and and he knows that, so he's always got to work twice as hard as everyone else. And guys would just do whatever they could to piss him off, and Kobe would in return do the same thing. And it, he would just, he's Brad Marchand. He would always find ways to make us laugh and keep things loose and. If I remember yeah, correctly, always lead by example and work, work his butt off. Well, you know what's funny? Uh, were you there when they the year that they put out the Cherokee calendar? Yes, we did have a calendar, I think. Yeah, because Kobe oh, had... Oh, that's right. We yeah. posed in weird, like without shirts on or something, I think. Well, Kobe did. He, he He's the only one, I think, that uh, he had... Uh, his arms, he had his stick on the back of his neck and he put his arms up over it. And uh, he didn't have a shirt on, and I mean that—that that was, I think. Oh, who was it? It wasn't Omi. Somebody said that's about as close to a life-size picture as you're going to see in that magazine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh man, you guys are cold. You know, but uh, that's—I mean—but that was Kobe. I mean, it, I always remember too his his uh, late father now, but his father uh, uh, would come, and his mom. They would come and we would all spend uh, the weekend, especially if we were on the road. We would go to, uh, we'd be at the hotel, and usually they would all end up in my room because after bed checks, if all the adults, uh, all the parents wanted to come in, uh, indulge in a few adult beverages, they knew they could go to my room because that's where it'd be because I was by myself all the time. So everyone would come into the room and just sit there and toss a few back and, and tell stories or whatever, but... 
Uh, I just remember his dad, uh, you know, God love him. He uh, he would uh, he would travel. I think they he had a, a, a what was, they called it the egg. It was that uh, egg shaped uh, trailer. I think I remember tra- that. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, he would bring that and stay in that, and then the next morning he'd go into somebody's room and shower and get uh, take, get all set up. But uh, it, it's just th- those are the fun little things that you remember, just the little bits and pieces here and there. But that's what I remember about Kobe and his family. I mean, his mom was a riot. She would cra- she was like a really funny person, and she was like the life of the party type. She was crazy, and stuff. And and I remember Cole Herb, his parent, well, Larry was Larry, and his mom was probably <laughs> a little bit more quiet. You know, she was just a little bit more quiet. But uh, I remember them, and then the Hales. Oh my gosh, especially Mrs. Hale, man. You you got you get a couple pops in her, and oh boy, <laughs> she would she would she would be yeah she'd be pretty crazy and stuff, but in a good way, in a good. Oh, way. I'm gonna have to give her a hard time about that. I see him all the time over at the ice rink. Oh really? Well, be sure to tell him I said hello. I remember now because John, I heard that John's a dentist now. Yeah, he just opened his uh, dentistry uh, place. Uh, I want to actually, I drive by it all the time. Okay, yeah, because I haven't, I like I said, I haven't seen some of these, most of these guys I haven't seen since they played here, and I uh, I saw, like I said, he was one of those, um, and I, I heard on another po- well, another podcast I did with one of the other guys, they told me that he is, he's a dentist now and doing his own thing, but his dad was a dentist too, isn't he? I don't know, I'm not sure. I, I, for some reason, I, 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 I want to say that, but I could be 100% dead wrong, so I don't well, know. That was a great thing about Fort Wayne travel hockey was every year there was always a dad that was a dentist. <laughs> <laughs> so we were always covered and we always be getting stitches or something and just call the doc over and oh. help us out. Yep. And I remember back then too because we had the hardest time. Uh, we were changing uh, like uh, medical personnel left and right because uh, I'm trying to remember who was the trainer back then. Was it uh, was that Chad Webrin? I don't I don't remember. Oh man, I'm trying to remember who it was that took care of us as far as the medical stuff goes. I remember we were over at Wildwood. Oh, then sure. that was Nick, I think. Nick Dumas maybe? Maybe. Yeah, I think it was Nick Dumas that was that was back then and I barely remember that. That I I that when I had to scratch my 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 memory banks for that one, but yeah, I think it might have been Nick at that time. But anyway, uh some of those guys you know, some of those guys that, I mean, we had, uh, uh, after, I mean, we had Nick, then we had Chad, and then after that, we had a tough time finding somebody uh, that would uh, stick with it, and we ended up finding a, a, a gem, and he's our current, or the team's current uh, doc right now, uh, Dr. Dan Hoffman, he's been with the team now forever, so, uh, you know, that's, you know, so they're in good hands there, but... Uh, I remember him, he came on when I when I started officiating Cherokee games, I remember him being there. Oh yeah, yeah, Dan, yeah. Um, he, uh, I, I knew him back before, before we either one of us got involved with the Cherokee. I had known him. We were friends because we both worked in the same hospital. So we had, uh, so we had that going, and then, uh, and then I started with the Cherokee, and then a little after that, after we were having so much trouble doing finding somebody. I asked him, and uh, the rest, as they say, is history. He, he was just a great fit. And uh, so, you know, he's a funny, funny guy. 
So he's 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 very he's got original humor. So, uh, but uh, anyhow, getting back to us and to you, uh, do you remember any kind of like uh, unusual stories of anything that happened uh, back when you played? I mean, uh, what kind of bizarre things did you do? Do you remember? Or? Well, you were talking about uh, getting in fights and tough guys, and I, I remember we were playing Metro. I want to say it was one of those beautiful 9 or 10 o'clock start times that we used to get every now and then with them. Yes, there was always Metro only. Metro yeah. was the one we always had those late. It was like playing out on the left coast. Yeah, exactly. I remember it was a pretty rough game, and uh, I'm definitely will never be a fighter. And start getting roughed up by some guy and... I look at him, I go, you want to go? He goes, you want to go? And Dan May steps in and goes, boy, I wouldn't do that. He's going to whoop your butt. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, okay, Dan. Yeah, I was going to say, you deferred. <laughs> yep. <laughs> very, very good. Now, yep. did you play with, I'm trying to remember some of the guys back then. Did you play with uh, Gabe Young? Uh, yeah, I had Gabe for a oh, I think we had him for like half a, a season. A while, yeah. Yeah, because he was a big boy. Oh, dude, that guy! Uh, I got an email from him about like four or five years ago. He was coaching somewhere in New England, and uh, I can't remember where, but it was just somewhere in New England, somewhere like in the upper part, like either Vermont, I think, or or New Hampshire, something like that. Anyway, uh, he—that's the last I had heard of him because he was wanting to know if there were any. Uh, any overagers from the Cherokee that wanted to take a stab at up there. And I I said, you know, I'd pass it along, and I hadn't, you know, he was looking for stats, too, from when he played. And I was like, you know, I don't know, you know, I did, I couldn't find any on, uh, on you know, on the on the net. So I, uh, I was, uh, I remember uh, he got into a practice, in a scrimmage, in a tryout scrimmage or something like that. Him and, uh, Dan Mays got into a fight on the ice and oh my god I was so like going this is not gonna go well for somebody and I tell you what I give him credit he hung in there with with uh with Dan because Dan was established as the tough guy he was established as a fighter you know he he, he could throw and and Gabe I had no clue because he didn't uh you know, I'd never seen, I had seen him prior to that when he played with Flint. I think it was Flint he played with. And I had not seen him, you know, fight at, in Flint or anything like that. I just saw him when he was, when he came here. And it was like, holy smokes. And that was, that was our, uh, our introduction to Gabe Young. And he had that bleach blonde hair. I remember that. <laughs> oh my gosh. That, that, that was just like, I'm like sitting there going, really? And. I just I never got that whole thing, but he kind of walked to the beat of his own drum. And from what he said in his email now, because I, I said, I go, I remember when you had that big old uh, head of hair going. He goes, yeah, well, I don't have that anymore. It's all gone. <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah, that, I was just trying to remember some of those guys back then because, uh, you know, it's it's always fun to to think about. And, and now, do you, you talked about some of these guys that you come across now every now and then. Do you come across any of these guys anymore? Um, no, well, Gabe was one of them. I had a, a Gabe Young sighting, I want to say in Flint, in the IHL, I think, in the International League. 
Wow. I think because he so after he played in Toledo, he kind of went around and I saw him in the the Continental Elite League. Saw him in that league for a little bit with Trevor City, and then it saw him in the, I want to say the So Pro, the Southern Pro League for a minute, uh, the International League. I, I, I swear, I think I saw him in the Central League at one point too. Wow. And you uh, said Spurs. He he was a journeyman. He he went all over the place, if I remember correctly. Well, I just, I, like I said, I just, I'd like to know what's going on with some of these guys. I know Blasco, Todd Blaskowitz is doing like something. I think he's in the military, maybe. Um, uh, last I heard, yeah, I actually uh, had Todd. Uh, one of my first seasons, uh, he was a junior or something. Him and a, I want to say, Brandon Fackey. He played in Toledo, not with the Cherokee. They were playing at Ohio University, ended up officiating a few of those games. That's a fun place to go down to, I'll tell you that. I was going to say, the party atmosphere in Athens is like, they are, they, for a long time, they were ranked as one of the very top party schools in the entire country. Well, yeah, and then on top of it, they have a great turnout for their hockey program, and that is the toughest, one of the toughest ACH, ACHA barns you can ever play in. The neutral zone is probably 15 feet wide. <laughs> Wow, it's a, it's kind of reminds me of the old sports arena here in Toledo. Oh yeah, it, I loved refing those games because it, you wouldn't have to skate that hard. You take three strides and you're in. You go from one neutral zone and then you're all the way down to the goal line. And before you know it, you're back to the other goal line. Holy! Really work them sweating those games. That's crazy. Now, if um, now uh, the reason I bring him up though is because. I just remember him being such a crazy goof when he was with the Cherokee. He used to do all kinds of wild stuff. And because uh, even the team doc back then, Dr. Todd Leslie, uh, he up in, when we were up in Monroe, he used to tell me some of the things that uh, Blaskowitz would try to get him to do and stuff. And he's like, that kid is. And he would sit there and say some things. But uh, then uh, one of the, one of the other. Uh, one of the other uh, kids that I've done podcasts with told me he's in the military. He's like, you know, uh, straight straight edge, the whole nine yards, just completely different from what he used to be like. And wow. I'm, I was just sitting there going, wow, what a difference. But, yeah, I just I like to hear what's going on with some of these guys that you used to play with back in the day. And you know, I think the only Todd Blaskowitz story I have, I don't know if you remember this, so right at the end of the season, right before playoffs, um, I, my housing parents, they were, Greg and Lori Walling, they were phenomenal. And John yeah. Hale ended up living with them too. Mm-hmm. And bless their hearts, they let me, for some stupid reason, they said, all right, Chris, you can have a party with the team at our house. Oh, dear. So, oh, dear. All right, all right, and let's go. And we probably had, I want to say half the team, and but several people over in the basement. Keep in mind, they had kids there, baby, and it, like yeah, the thirty-six-year-old in me now is just like, "What were you thinking?" But <laughs> the eighteen-year-old the in me was like, "Oh yeah, let's do this." And we we took over their basement and tried our best to be quiet. But I want to say it was it was either Kyle Kleinschmidt or Todd Blaskowitz that there was a we'll just say a bunch of pop cans yeah. and lined up in a pyramid. Okay. And it in the basement, a concrete floor and. It was either Todd or Kyle thought it would be hilarious just to keep knocking them over. <laughs> nice. So needless to say, that didn't go over well, and we ended up ending that little get together. But 
then Omi found out about it, and Chuck LeMay found out about it, and uh, then we all had to do some community service because you couldn't really suspend, suspend people going into playoffs, so especially <laughs> when it's half the team. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, my gosh. Now, did you guys have, like, uh, any kind of uh, bonding thing where, you know, like some of the guys I can remember would tell me about, they would all meet up at somebody's parents' house, and they would do team dinner there, like, once a week or something like that. Did you do anything of that sort? We used to do, uh, me and some of the guys would do Tuesday night at B-dubs. Yeah. For the token back when wings were 25 cents. Oh, yeah. We used to do that a bunch. Um, we did, I want to say pancake. We used to do pancake, uh, lunches every now and then, uh, every week, every other week towards the end of the season, that first season. The second season, we didn't really do that much. Now, was that uh, over at Uncle John's? Yes, it was right over by Central Avenue, Central and Seacourt. Yeah, Central and Seacourt, Uncle John's. Because yeah. they used to, on Wednesdays, they had all-you-could-eat pancakes for 99 yep. cents. That's what it was. <laughs> I remember that. I don't know how. <clears throat> but uh, <laughs> I uh, I definitely remember that place. I mean, and, and the funny part was, I didn't go there very much. I think I can count on two hands how many times I ever went there. Because, number one... It was out of my way uh, going to work. Number two, I it, my work hours were as such that it didn't it didn't fit in with that. So if I was off on a Wednesday, then yeah, I went over there and tried it a few times. But uh, but for the most part, throughout the years, I never did. And I think they still have it. I think, but I if I'm not mistaken, I think it's now something like three or four bucks. So every Wednesday, but yeah, it was all you could eat uh, hot uh, pancakes. They'd stack them up high for you. And, yeah, that's what we would do. Oh man, that was funny. You get that in a glass of milk, and you were set. <laughs> oh, that's where my sweet tooth came from, right there. Oh boy, I bet. But uh, now, uh, you know, as far as um, for you, what do you? I mean, do you ever still get the uh, hankering to get back into coaching? And so I did. I coached uh, a U16 pre-post team in Fort Wayne uh, a couple different times and a U18 team. And then uh, ended up doing both U16 and U18 one season. And uh, to be honest, it, it hey, I would do it if it was 20 years ago. I wouldn't be able to do it now. It's just too – here in Fort Wayne, it's, parents have too much say. They don't like it when you yell at their little kid and it's – my coaching style isn't suited for what parents want around here, and I, I'm realistic of that. So I stuck to officiating and let everybody yell at you, <laughs> not yeah, just parents. I, I, I just say, okay, thanks, thanks for your time, but yeah, just too much drama in the coaching world. I, I feel bad for a lot of the coaches, to be honest with you. It's just they put up with more crap than they should have to, in my opinion. Yeah, that's true. Now, uh, as far as uh... Are you going to get your kids into hockey? Um, we, we've done that. I, all my kids have done learned escape program stuff, but it, it's one of those things that if they want to pursue it, I'm going to be right there and I'll help them. But if they don't, it's all good. I'm not really going to pressure them. So getting into, I coached uh, one of my girls, coached her uh, softball last summer and was going to do it again this summer until COVID hit. Mm. I was going to actually have both my girls. Uh, I was going to coach both of them this year. Holy smokes. Now, uh, as far as uh, officiating, have you heard yet how are you going to be, it's going to, for the COVID and all that, how it's going to affect your schedule? Um, well, so I'm not doing local anymore. I stepped away from doing that. 
Um, but the federal league, from what I'm hearing, we're not going to start until December. Okay. That's all right. And as long as there's there's some hockey to be played, that's the key. So, but, uh, all right. So now, how long do you see yourself officiating? As long as the wife allows me to. (laughs) (laughs) So so there you go. It's a passion. I'm sure at some point the travel is going to be too much. And and the same for me, you know, and I'll eventually get to the point where it – just I enjoy my Friday and Saturday nights at home alone with the wife. That's that's a great thing. Now, actually, I don't know. Do you remember Adam Fish? Yes, because I know so he I, used to be a he used to, he officiated too. Does he still? Yeah. Oh yeah, he still officiates a lot. Him and I worked that league together. Actually, we had a until COVID hit. We had a few trips down to uh, Winston Salem and Columbus planned. We were just him and I and a couple other guys were going to hit the road for a weekend and go work a few games and just have some fun. Wow, that's but, funny. Uh, yeah, COVID hit, and just weren't able to make it work. But we're going to try to do it this season again if we can make it work. And it, it's kind of fun. It, you know, it, it's just like hockey where you, you got a group of guys, camaraderie. You're all working hard uh, out on the ice together and go out and have a few pops after the game. Hey, it's all, it's all, it's all you can ask for. Now, um, do you still keep in touch with any of your coaches here? I uh, saw Kevin Omi actually here in Fort Wayne. I want to say – Right before COVID hit, um, talked to Kevin for a little while. Talked to, if you know Randy Menchaca, talked to him. Every yeah, now and I, know, then. I know Randy real well. And Todd, I haven't really talked to him much. Just following his uh, his fishing expeditions on Facebook, but other than that. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's Todd, man. If it, if it isn't on the ice, then it's got to be in the lake, you know. So he's a he's a big big fishing guy. So, but uh, anyhow. Uh, be, now, before I let you go, do you have uh, any questions you have for me? I mean, fire fire away. I mean, I have, I don't have anything that I'm that I can think of that I can else. But uh, all you, right. So as players, none of us. Well, at least I didn't really get to experience the fun uh, hotel parties with the parents. Okay. What was? Who was the one parent that surprised you the most? If you remember. Honestly, from around that time frame. I would probably say Kobe's mom because she was a riot. I mean, she had she would crack me up. And then you would see uh, Tessa Hale in there and, uh, and, and of course, uh, Cole Herb's mom. And they were just like, none of them were really alike. They were all very different, but they still clicked. I mean, that was the surprise to me was that they clicked and got along so well. And I just was like, okay. But, and then the, oh, and if I remember correctly, uh, the year we went to, we were, I think we were in, it was in the playoffs, and we were in, I think, Peoria. And uh-huh. I, I don't know if, I don't know if it was your year, but I think it was your year because they were there, the uh, Kobe's uh, parents, and I believe, yeah, and Cole's parents were there too in the, in the, in the uh, hotel room. I had made an offer. We lost the first game. It was a best of three against Peoria. And uh, he uh, and so we had lost the first game. And I offered up. I said, if you guys can uh, come back and win this thing, you can shave my head any way you want. And, well, they did. <laughs> they came back and won the next two. And I think they were both in overtime. And so that would have been my year because we won 
um, that was I was told that was the first times we had ever won in Peoria were That's those two true. games and that was I remember because Kelly Kester I think scored the first overtime goal and then it, it was because me Kelly Kester and uh, Jason Zazda were on the line together and the three of us just Kelly scored I want to say Saturday and then Jason scored Sunday and me and Kelly assisted or Jason assisted depending on the goal I still remember that well, now, if I'm not mistaken, didn't we have to make up in the second game? We had to make up a two-goal difference before regula- in regulation? Well, that was probably because Adam Fish was roughing, so. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I think Adam was roughing that game, actually. And uh, I think, I want to say, was it Robbie Jornby that scored the game-tying goal? My memory's not that good. Uh, I think so. And then we went into overtime, and then won it in overtime. And I remember because Cole Herb goes, come on, guys, we got to win this because we can't let them light up that blankety-blank horsey because they had that, like, little horse. It was like a, uh, it looked like one of those merry-go-round horses you see. <clears throat> and it uh, it would light up every time the Mustangs would score a goal. And it, it, he's, he, he said something about a horsey, and it just broke everyone up. And we ended up winning the overtime game, first one, then the second one. And then we went back to the hotel room. And I remember because all those guys were in there, the, the Herbs, the, the Hales, the, the, the Peters, all of them. And, of course, the coaching staff. And a lot of the players <clears throat> excuse me, took turns uh, taking a swipe at my head with the razor. And they buzzed my hair into, the, into a Harry Krishna look. They, they left a big old strand, a patch, a big patch at the front of my hair. At the front of my head, and they cut uh, a couple of different streaks in the in the um, on the sides, and that was it. And it, and I looked like a Hare Krishna, and they uh, they they had a blast with it though. They all took a turn shaving a piece of hair out of my head, and uh, I had to go and buy a, a a cap, a toque, just so that I could cover it up uh, for the bus ride home because it was awful. <laughs> So that's what that like that's what I remember too. So yeah, so oh, that's sorry. why I was like those doggone Fort Wayne kids. But uh, <laughs> it, it was it was fun. So but, you're an interesting bunch. We so I got Kobe into officiating here, or I shouldn't say I did. Kobe got into officiating here in Fort Wayne. Uh, got Kyle Kleinschmidt for a minute. Got him into it. And uh, I still keep in touch with a lot of the guys. See him around the ring. Talk to him for a while. Kobe, I'm still pretty close with. Actually, Kobe helped. Um, so Kobe took over his dad's business, ring design, yeah. and he actually helped me uh, design my my wife's wedding ring. Now, wow! So good man, good man. Now, uh, so he's still so he took over and is doing that. Uh, what are I know? Fish DJ Fisher is uh, at, working at the at the rink there. Yeah, DJ. Uh, he's I, I swear that guy lives at the rink. He, and his mom, I love his mom. She is such a sweet lady. Um, so DJ runs the men's league here in Fort Wayne, and then he also coaches a uh, high school and the college club team. Wow. So he's he's always at the rink, and he, he works at the rink full-time. His mom, Joyce, she's always one of the scorekeepers, whether it's high school, uh, men's league, college, every now and then. She's such a great uh, face to have around the rink. That's awesome. So yeah. now... Um... Do you ever talk to? Do you ever talk to uh, any of the? Uh, I'm trying to remember. 
Where's Cole Herb these days? Have you heard anything? <laughs> well, it, so last I heard from Cole, he's living in Georgia with yeah. his wife and kids. And I think he's a hair, him and his wife own a hair salon. You know, as bizarre as Cole always was, that that seems almost like the perfect fit for him. <laughs> it does. Because he, like I said, he walked to the beat of his own drum. And like I said, for rookie uh, rookie hair, uh, he ended up buzzing his hair and paint, uh, dyeing his hair in leopard spots. Yeah. And so it seemed, I guess it must have been a hit. He's a nat- It's a natural progression. So, but... Uh, I'm trying to remember now. Um, you say you keep in touch with Kyle. Uh, do you keep in touch with John Hale? Yeah, I see John a lot at the ice rink because his uh, he's. I think his kids are pretty active in the learn to skate stuff right now. So I see his mom and dad out there. See John out there. Uh, Mike Moore, I don't see that often. Um, and Kyle, I'm is still he still is he still in Indiana? Mike. Yeah. Uh, I don't know actually. I, I don't see him at all. Now, Mike wasn't really from Fort Wayne. He was from Walcottville, which is about 45 minutes to an hour north of Fort Wayne. Yeah, I knew he wasn't from Fort Wayne proper. I just didn't know where. I thought it was a burb. I wasn't sure where. But yeah, I knew he, he always played with us, but he, he made that hour trip every day as a kid. Yeah, that was a that was a dedicated young man right there. But uh, And he was a big kid, too. You know, he was, I don't know, maybe 6'4", 6'3". He was on rock on defense. Yes, and, uh, he Chris Craft, yeah, and Kyle. Too. Oh my gosh! See, now you're throwing out names, and I'm starting to remember them all. Chris Craft, I ran into. He was from uh, Economawak, Wisconsin. I remember yeah. that because I knew somebody else from Economawak. So, anyway, I ran into him years later. We went on a road trip to uh, Grand Rapids to play a game, a couple of games in Grand Rapids against the Owls, and. I went into the and went into the pro shop, and one of the kids went in with me. One of the players went in with me to get a skate sharpened. And who's there working behind the desk, behind the uh, desk uh, in sharpening skates? Chris Craft. In Grand Rapids. Yes, but this was a wow. long time ago, so I don't know if he, he's probably gone. I don't know, uh, but yeah, it was. This was a long time ago, but because uh, Grand Rapids isn't even in that league anymore, they moved to. They ended up moving to Battle Creek, or not? Yeah, Battle Creek. And uh, since then, have I think they relocated to Lansing or something like that, uh, somewhere. But uh, they had, yeah, they had moved a couple of times. But uh, but he was in Grand Rapids. That was the last time I'd a- I've actually seen him, because I remember because his mom, his mom and his I think it was his mom and dad would come in to see him play. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, didn't they ride their bikes when the weather was nice? They would ride their their motorcycles. I think. I don't know on that one. Uh, I, I'm not real positive, but I think so. Anyway. That would, that would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to come that far. But, uh, you know, I just remembered that those guys were, uh, that those guys, the, 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 parent, the parent, he was such a neat kid. And he was a tall guy, too. He was such a neat kid, though. He, I just really got a kick out of him. I always liked talking. a slap shot. Ooh, man, that guy had a cannon. Yes, he did. He had a cannon. I'm pretty sure there was a couple times he broke the glass at Tamo. I remember correctly. I'm trying to think. I think I, yeah, I think he. I remember calling a game that he broke one. Uh, so I'm just, um, uh, you know, but uh, yeah, I'm trying to think who else was back then. Uh, did you play? You didn't play with Phil Rauch, did you? 
Uh, I did for a year. Played with Phil for a year and then uh, had him. I, want, I think I had him when he was at Canisius one time when he came over to work and play a game in the CCHA or one of the CCHA teams. And then I had Phil Ralph, Ryan Benke, Ryan. Oh, I was Ryan Potts. I see Ryan all the time. Yeah, worked, with his, worked with Ryan and uh, his wife at Lincoln Financial here in Fort Wayne for a little while. That's awesome. Uh, I, man, I have not heard word one. I, I, I talked, I'm friends with his dad on Facebook, but I, I have not heard word one from Ryan. I have not heard uh, anything. Uh, I did talk about him, though, in an earlier podcast because uh, I remember when we were in Cincinnati and he got into his one and only attempt at a fight. Uh, yeah, it's, it went about how you would expect it to uh, there, uh, Chris. It uh, he ended up literally on his knees, and he you know him he's a tall guy anyway. So uh, he uh, he went to um, he went to his knees and put his hands up over his face, hoping that the kid would show mercy on him. <laughs> and the, of course, the kid got him a couple of really good shots. But you know what? I told him on the bus when we were going back. I'm like, hey, at least you had the guts to do it. You know, nobody else did. It probably so, did better than I ever would have done. So. <laughs> Now, question before we let you go. Do you remember your first goal for the Cherokee? Negative. Okay. I do not. Do you remember your first goal with the Wolfpack? Uh, yes, I remember that goal because I had said they put me on defense, and I remember on a power play pinching and just ended up getting a shot from top of the slot and was like, oh, wow, this defense thing isn't that bad. Oh, okay. Very, very good. Because that's one of the things I always ask everybody too. Uh, now, all right. Now, who are the biggest? Uh, who are the biggest influences for you as far as uh, on the ice and off? Uh, on the ice is always going to be Larry. No matter what you say, Cole's dead, Larry. He he pushed us and drove us in ways that we never could have imagined. And it, if it wasn't for Larry, the the team that we had and getting a triple-A program for a couple of years in Fort Wayne, I doubt ever would have happened. Um, then off the ice, you you're definitely got to go dad. He's always the one that you get out you get out to the minivan or the car after the game, and he's the one right there pushing you, or he's up in the stands pushing you, you know, practices, getting you there at 5 a.m., whatever it is. You always got to look at the dad is the off-the-ice pusher because, you know, it's just, my dad was always there for me on that on that front. Yeah, so, you know, nothing wrong with that. Good old Todd. Um, so, uh, let's see here. Well, I think that pretty much covers all the bases, buddy. We we knocked it out. I'm very, very glad we got to catch up a little bit here. This has yeah. been a lot of fun. Now, I'm going to tell you, in the next probably season or two, we're gonna we're working on trying to do another alumni game. So, and uh, just an alumni weekend where if, even if you don't want to play, you can just cut, um, you can come and hang out and have a couple sarsaparillas and we can all tell tall tales and stuff but uh, that's what we want to do we're going to try and put that together so that we can get some of our alumni back and also show the 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 kids that are playing now what it means to be a Cherokee you know regardless of how long you play how short you play how hard you play is what counts so uh, that's you know that's what we want to do is let them see the legacy you know that you guys uh, built you know that you know you guys created for uh, with what you guys did so that's that's our goal. So uh, don't be be surprised if you hear from me uh, in a short order to uh, get that underway. 
Well, maybe I'll have to talk because I'm I'm on the roster for the the USBHL staff. I'll do the, the Spaceman games here in Fort Wayne every now and then, okay. and uh, I'll have to talk to them and come out and make uh, Kenny Miller and Todd Omi make their lives miserable for a game. <laughs> I'm I'm sure you could. I am sure you could. That wouldn't take a whole lot. Uh, those guys are, I love them. I love both those guys. They're really good guys. But uh, yeah. anyway, Chris, I really appreciate this. Do you have anything you want to say to the Cherokee Nation? No, just uh, the biggest thing, keep working hard. You never know who's in the stands. You, you never know. This so is kids are playing now, you never know who's going to be up watching you. Amen. So, Well, hey, Chris, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. And uh, like I said, I'm sure we will chat again. But, uh, hey, best of luck in everything that you're doing. Uh, give my best to your family. And, uh, hey, we'll talk again soon. Yeah, thanks, Mick. I appreciate the invite. You take care. Yep, you too, buddy. Well, that's going to do it from here as we thank you for tuning in for Episode 21 here of the Cherokee Rewind. Don't forget, you can follow us on anywhere you consume your podcasts, whether it be iHeart, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn, Deezer, Spotify, etc. So for Chris Hoy, I am Mick. I am saying so long, and we'll talk to you again next time when it'll be right here on the Cherokee Rewind. So long, everyone, and you take care.